Money FM 89.3. Best of your money. Read with Michelle Martin. After 37 years as a leading expert on urology, a top surgeon and the CEO of Sengkang General Hospital finds himself at the other end of the equation of disease. What happens when a doctor finds himself in the position of a patient suffering from advanced prostate cancer? He was 60 when the diagnosis collapsed his world, but he's come through and now shares his story of survival, lessons on truly living, and ideas on what is required for real healing. In the book that we're reading today, I Thought I Knew. He's now 63 with a clean bill of health. Joining us live, Professor Chris Christopher Ching and the author of our featured book today. How are you, Professor? Very well, Michelle. Thank you for this opportunity. Great to speak with you. First up, why did you want to pen your experience, put it down on paper? Who is this book for? (laughs) Good question. Actually, it was uh, serendipity. So the book was about my experience as a patient. And uh, it was precisely two days after a rather stormy surgery, almost three years ago for prostate cancer. I had high fever, I was shaking like a dog, and and then finally I could get out of bed and I was in my hospital room looking through a window. And actually with a little paper pad sketching in, in pencil, thinking about painting the scene. Then at that moment my son came in he just finished school at Duke uh, doing a PhD, so just came in to look up his old man. Mm-hmm. And he was standing behind me watching me sketch. And he said, oh, in the last 30-something years, you must have seen this scene as a doctor uh, thousands of times rounding on your patient. What an irony now you are the patient looking through the same scene. What are your emotions? Mm. And what an irony. Then he said, you must really document this. So the book was, uh, you know, just on that spot, and the rest, as they say, is history. And it was not really any lofty goal. It's mm. just documenting my journey as a patient and as so-called an expert in the prostate cancer. Uh, the whole truth, nothing but the truth, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, all naked truth. If anybody take away any lessons uh, from the story as it is told, uh, some of them may say, oh, how stupid can you get? And some even uh, wrote to me and said, serve you right, right? I think it's all okay, uh, guilty as charged. Uh, so that's the beginning of the, the book, and it took about two years uh, for it to be completed. Yeah. The book talks about how the most difficult patients are the, one who think, the ones who think they know a lot. Did you think you were a difficult patient? Oh, I'm the most <laughs> difficult patient of all because uh, the people who look after me uh, previously, my trainees, and they, you know, have this uh, tyrannic uh, boss that, uh, you know, we are all type A personality. We want everything plan A, plan B, plan C. And uh, now suddenly I'm supposed to receive orders. And if it had gone very smoothly, I, I guess uh, it would have been easier. But mm. I had quite a stormy uh, period. Indeed. For some of reasons, yeah. And the book's title hints at sort of humility of an expert in this field who, you know, comes to see the disease in a whole new light when it takes root in your own body. So in what key ways has having the disease that you devoted a lifetime to studying and curing, so 
what has surviving led you to question in terms of the role of the doctor or the role of a good doctor? Yeah, so I think that's a very profound question. I'm not sure I have all the answers. Uh, for instance, I've always enjoyed having medical students around all the years of my practice. I always thought that uh, having students asking difficult questions, probing and questioning, uh, keep one honest. And so I aspire to be a role model, not just in uh, scientific, technical knowledge and craft of surgery, but also on the empathy and compassion aspect. But now that I have gone through the experience, I realize whatever empathy, compassion I've been teaching mm. are really just a poor representation of what we imagine the patients are going through. And you can say that we are just a spectator in their journey. But now I have become the actual actor and the dancer on stage. Mm. And uh, I now realize that that's actually not enough. And uh, being a dancer on stage, uh, being danced by all the twists and turns of events, of diagnosis, of treatment, of uncertainty, and all the anxiety. Sometimes we are very cruel. We label people as overly anxious. You know, I've already reassured you multiple times. How come you are still not comfortable? Mm. I think an anxious patient is uh, is real. The anxiety is real. You know, the pulse rate goes up, and there's nothing you can do about it except to be ready, to be open, to listen, and to keep uh, uh, repeating because uh, they have not been. Uh, fully assured and I think to be available. I mean, COVID or not COVID, wearing masks or not wearing masks, the patient in front of us will see in our eyes whether we are honestly ready to listen. When they keep on repeating, it is because they feel that you have not actually heard them, especially if we are just glued to the computer and asking questions uh, mechanically. Uh, But it is actually a joy to be connected with the patients at a very intimate level. We are given such a great privilege you know, to be able to help people at their greatest needs. So maybe in the past, I would say the same thing, you know, hey, your results are great, you know, you are free of cancer, and I even offer to shake their hands and congratulate them. But today I say the same thing with a much more intense and uh, kind of fellow kinship uh, of fellow travelers. Mm. And I hand them the result and give them a hug. Sometimes I'm wet behind my eyes because I could see myself in both their joy and their suffering in a much more intimate way. And I try to help to you know, give that experience to the reader of the book. He's Professor Christopher Ching, author of the book we're reading today, titled I Thought I Knew. Professor turned patient in an area that he spent his life devoted to understanding, and he walks away from it with a devastating cancer diagnosis three years ago. He's got a clean bill of health now. Professor, I want to ask you, what is the link as you see it between compassion and healing? Your book writes, uh, talks about how we need so much more in order to heal than, you know, the treatments that are coming our way. Can you talk a little about compassion and healing? Wow, it's a very profound question. I'm not even sure that I'm anywhere close to uh, the, the truth. Uh, I can only say that um, um, from my own personal journey, I'm mm. not sure what is around the corner. I'm uh, 
first and foremost, perhaps uh, um, I am savoring every moment precisely because of the uncertainty. Even though I, I am um, well, and uh, after three years, I'm fine for now. Uh, maybe I'm even more alive than ever before the diagnosis, precisely because the high-risk cancer, the future is uncertain. Mm. So I savor every moment, having a meal with my family, with my friends. I savor every opportunity to good, do a good operation, to see patients uh, intimately, because I can see that you know every endeavor may be the last. So I put everything I've got into every moment that uh, I'm I, I'm doing, uh, maybe making small contributions to. Mm make the community and the place that we work and live a slightly better place. That's a part of the so book. that feeling mm-hmm. is curiously kind of liberating. And I might even be grateful for this whole episode precisely because I'm living life to the fullest because of the diagnosis. So it is a long journey. I'm not sure I've crossed the river, but I feel that uh, as physicians, you can only cure uh, sometimes but you can always uh, relieve and help them cross the river uh, many times, and you can always uh, offer comfort uh, all the time if you are ready and available. So our healthcare system is well-known, almost uh, world-class for the facilities, you know, brand-new hospitals, I think, come with all the state-of-the-art equipment. Mm. The staff are very well-trained professionally, but... I think in the midst of trying to be very efficient, very cost-effective, we also struggle to be empathetic and to be connected to our patients and to help them to realize that more is not necessarily better. Sometimes we have to accept uh, what is old age and illness and maybe even more alive because of what we are going through. So what I liked about this book is uh, there's a part where you list seven lessons from your experience. The seven most important lessons I have learned is that chapter. And they're great life lessons, especially one where you talk about, you know, dealing with recrimination. Anybody who has suffered or has witnessed someone suffering. My dog, for example, recently passed away and and I spent a long time beating myself up thinking I should have put him down earlier. I should have chosen this. I should have chosen that. Or maybe I should have done this and that. And and your chapter talks about self-blame and doubt and the if only I had done this. And you say there are no what ifs. And I think that's very useful for people who are enduring suffering or helping someone through suffering. I wonder if you can elaborate a little. Yeah, so I think that uh, being present in the present moment is what I'm talking about, savoring every moment. But to, in order to do that, the perspective, uh, you know, and the understanding that, you know, um, to be able to put down all the rumination of the past, which, you know, has already uh, unchanged and not changeable, and the fear of the future is the liberation that uh, we can uh, face accepting uh, you know what the serenity prayer says which is you know grant me the serenity to accept things that we can't change and the strength and uh, courage to change those that we can and the wisdom to tell the difference then we are a little bit closer to the understanding of um, you know the 
great uh, universe and the whole uh, life's lessons. You're CEO of Sengkang General Hospital and therefore very busy. But before we let you go, I wonder <laughs> if you can talk a little bit about the role that art played in uh, your survival. You mentioned watercolour uh, in this book. and So how did art yeah. help you? Well, I think that, uh, you know, music and uh, painting and maybe even photography, poetry and everything as a direct uh, access to the soul and help us transcend from the you know everyday events uh, into a better world into um, uh, acceptance and uh, understanding in the mystical uh, that words cannot describe we can't speak about you know the the almighty the eternity and the destiny so if you hear a piece of good music perform you know with true love and tenderness it uh, resonates in your heart in ways that you can't describe in words. If you see a scene on a painting that is simple but yet uh, transcend the, the, the scene that it is trying to depict because it uh, raises some echoes in your heart of scenes of tenderness, you know, with your, you know, like my mother who has uh, passed away and, you know, brings warmth and when you smell certain cooking, it reminds you very intimately of uh, uh, experience in the past. I think it gives you a certain sense of being that is beyond words. It's a meditation on suffering. The book's title is I Thought I Knew. Professor Christopher Ching, thank you for joining us in this conversation. Thank you, Michelle, for the experience. Have a Have wonderful a day. day. You too. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg or download the SPH Radio app available on Google Play or the App Store.